As AI continues to revolutionize our world, there's a critical conversation we can't ignore. AI safety and security. And that's where HackerOne's AI red teaming comes into play, rigorously testing AI models to prevent them from being misled or exploited. HackerOne employs over 2 million ethical hackers, and 750 of them specialize in prompt hacking and other AI security and testing. So HackerOne isn't just theorizing, they're actively safeguarding AI's future. Just recently, a team unearthed over 100 vulnerabilities in just two weeks. So whether you're at the helm of a startup or steering product innovation at a large company, it's time to prioritize AI security. Visit HackerOne.com slash AI for more. Again, HackerOne.com slash AI. This episode is sponsored by Porkbun.com. Porkbun is a refreshingly different domain name registrar that's different from the other ones like GoDaddy or Namecheap. They've got low prices on hundreds of different domain extensions. They've got everything from .com domains to really cool ones like .pro, .dev, .xyz. Every domain name at Porkbun comes with tons of freebies too, like SSL certificate, who is privacy, DNS, URL forwarding, and hosting trials. Because why pay for things that should be free, right? All these incredible features and tools are backed by incredible support, 365 days a year, and more five-star reviews on Trustpilot from real customers than anyone else. Look, you can get a dollar off your next domain name from Porkbun and see why they're the best domain name register around by using our code. Just go to porkbun.com forward slash rocketchipfm24. That's porkbun, P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com forward slash rocketchipfm24. You'll save a dollar on your next domain. This episode is brought to you by Gigantic. At Gigantic, you can level up your product skills through live, small group, cohort-based trainings. We're incredibly excited to welcome you to our next cohort of our product strategy training, kicking off in January of 2024. This course will take you through the frameworks that product leaders use at companies like eBay, DoorDash, Groupon, Rent the Runway, in order to scale their teams. It's taught by Ben Foster, a friend of this podcast, who is the former chief product officer at Whoop. So come join us. Go to gigantic.is. That's gigantic.is. And save your seat for our January cohort. Your potential is gigantic, and we're here to help you reach it. Go to gigantic.is to reserve your seat today. Things that's really struck me is how many of them have told me that they're embarrassed by their pricing. They'd spent so much time on the product, on sales motion, but they neglected pricing, which is at the core of really how you make money. Uh, and you, know, many of them had even whiteboarded their prices in a room uh, with the executive team and haven't really revisited it since. Uh, some of that's because they don't have people on their team that know how to do pricing. They don't have the experience. They don't know where to start. And that's exactly what we're going to tackle today. We're going to talk about where do you start when you're reworking or coming up with your SaaS pricing for the first time. But first, I have a very special announcement today. We are 
bringing on a new contributor to the show, someone who you may know from an interview a couple years ago, Mike Belsito. Mike, welcome. Hey, Michael, how are you? I am doing great, and I'm really excited to have you here with us today. So we're talking about SaaS pricing. Before we get into the episode, did you have any thoughts for us? You know, definitely near and dear to me because I've been a part of SaaS companies in the past. Um, I was VP of product and president at a company called Movable, and we had this uh, software as a service product where employers used it to get their employees more active so people could run fitness challenges and such. And I'll tell you, Michael, for us, we had the hardest time figuring out what the right pricing really was. I mean, it's like on one hand, you know, you're afraid if you price it too low, you're leaving too much on the table and, you know, you're not going to bring in that revenue that you could have had. But then if you price it too high, you're missing out on new customers. So it's a definitely a touchy subject. It's never easy. And that's why we wanted to do this episode today, which was to help give some guidance to people who are looking to either rework their pricing model or come up with a fresh pricing model. Uh, so we've compiled some tips on questions you can ask yourself and insights from from the interviews we've been doing on how to frame your pricing model because there isn't one size fits all for this stuff. No, that's and that's the interesting thing. And we talked about that a little bit with Clay. You know, every company is so different. And what works really well for one company, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to work great for any other SaaS type product. So it's definitely a very, you know, personal decision if you want to think of it that way, as far as what can work for your company. But there are things that you could look for and there's things that you could pay attention to, you know, so you could try to help put yourself on the right track. Yes, absolutely. Welcome to Rocketship.fm, the podcast where we explore startups from funding to growth, from culture to sales, and everything in between. I'm Michael Saka. I'm Mike Belsito. And I'm Joelle Goldman. Welcome to the second episode in our SaaS series. If you missed the first episode, it was all about the history of SaaS. So go back, check that out. Lots of really great historical information in there. And today we're diving into SaaS pricing. Pricing is generally one of the hardest things for a business to nail down. There are a ton of factors that go into determining what the price should be. And you're always wondering, is it too high? Is it too low? If I lowered it, would I get more customers? If I raised it, could I get enough to make more than I currently am? But the goal is to nail your pricing model for today. So first, I want to dive into a method to actually find the right pricing model for you. A couple questions you can ask yourself to sit back and analyze, do I have the right pricing model and what should my pricing model be? And then we're going to dive into a couple stories and advice from founders on how they developed their own pricing model. So let's get started looking at how you can determine the right pricing model for your business. Yeah, so one of the first concepts to understand is internal versus external pricing strategies. So internal is where you look at your own costs, your own internal costs of maintaining a customer. And that might be your server or your team or the support you need to fund to maintain each customer. And then you need to add your margin on top of that. So your margin and your profit is simply based on percentage on top of what your base costs are of keeping a customer. And so that's what an internal pricing strategy would look like. Now, if we look at the external 
external pricing strategy. We're looking at what is the value to the customer. And now I want to encourage you to really lean on value-based pricing or external pricing strategies because the customer and the value that they perceive from your software is really where you can align the perceived value of your service and the return on investment the customer receives from your product with the highest amount they're willing to pay for it. So that brings us to question one. Who is your ideal customer? This could come in the form of a persona. This could be a job position. This could be the jobs to be done, knowing the job of your product and what anxiety pushes a customer to your product. But keep that customer in mind as we're going through this exercise. So question two, what value will you be providing to this customer? Now, this just isn't the features. This is the actual value. So you need to think about your product providing an ROI. So when someone signs up for your service, what is their return on their investment of paying you? Can you get up to a 10x return on your investment? So if they pay you $100, they receive $1,000 a month in returned value. That could be in time. That could be in new customers for them. It could be getting them out of work on time by providing better productivity. So to really answer this, you need to know why the customer is buying your product and what value you're providing to them by them purchasing it. It's not just the features. This is really what is the ROI of purchasing your product. You do actually have to deliver the value that you say on the um, on the pricing page. And here's Ed Shelley from Chart Mogul. Because it's a subscription model, you you need to be focused around delivering ongoing value. There is not just this one-time purchase where you can kind of trick the user into paying more than they perhaps wanted to. It doesn't matter if, if they pay a certain amount up front. You, you still, unless you keep them in the long term, you basically failed. And um, if they don't like what they're subscribing to, they'll just cancel. So I think that's the nice thing with SaaS. It, it does um, it does kind of push the emphasis onto delivering ongoing value. Absolutely. Um, which kind of mitigates a lot of those tricks that, that you see in yeah. other places. So this brings us to the third question. What metrics will the price be based on? And this question is really twofold. So there's the initial metrics that your customer would want to purchase from you. And then you also have to keep in mind, how does your customer grow into your product? The idea being that once you make that initial sale and you get them into your product, the easiest thing to do is to upgrade them versus having to acquire new customers to in order to increase your revenue. So you always want a way where your customers can grow into your product more. Now that could be a per seat model where they purchase a seat and that seat has a specific cost associated with it. And then they can add more seats. 
If they add more features, the per seat increases. This is a very common model in sales software. So think Salesforce. Other things that you could base your price on is simply the features that they need per month. So you could have X number of features for $20 a month and more advanced or enterprise features for say $100 a month. You'd also base it on something like a commodity, like a storage. But if this isn't your core business, it's generally not recommended. You're devaluing your product by simply basing it on a commodity when you could be basing it on the value that it provides. The other reason is if people don't know what they're going to pay you each month and if it could be a significant amount, it can be hard for businesses to get approval for that expense. So if one month they're going to pay you $100, the next month it could be $500, there's not that many services that they're willing to put that type of risk into if it's not simply a commodity. It's easy to approve that for a commodity like hosting or storage, but it's harder when the purchaser can't look at your pricing page and clearly see how much they're going to pay. If they can't determine an exact price that they'll be paying each month, it can be hard for people to make the decision to purchase your service over another. So make sure that your pricing is easy to understand when you're picking a metric and make sure that the metric that you pick is easy for them to calculate quickly and efficiently when looking over your pricing. Other models you could look at is a flat rate pricing. Think Buffer when they launched, it was just $10 a month for everyone. And similar to the per user pricing, you could look at Slack in the pay per active user, which is a key difference and a little bit friendlier to customers. It really depends on the part of your product that kind of reflects the value that they're receiving from the product. And now for the fourth question. What is the deal size of your average customer? So now that we have the metrics, we want to know if it's per seat, how many seats they're going to buy. If it's a three-tiered fixed price model, will most of them be in the middle? Will most of them be on the bottom? Now, if you're a brand new company, a lot of this is probably just going to be a guess. But if you have some data about who your customers are and how much they're willing to pay you, you can use that data to determine where your pricing should be and what more customers like them will be willing to pay for your service. And if you're still really unsure, err on the side of charging more. I'm pretty sure there's no subscription business out there that would tell you they got their pricing perfect the first time around. You see, everybody's adjusting it. Um, the, the biggest advice that I see, and this is coming mainly from investors, is to, <laughs> is to just charge more in the first place. I, I, I've seen it referenced as the biggest mistake that kind of SaaS and subscription companies make is they just don't charge enough in the first place. Um, I've seen, I think it was Jason Lemkin recommended simply kind of doubling the price that you kind of have in your mind um, for, for a plan and, and just kind of being bold with it. And I guess with the view that, you know, if, if it is too much, um, you can decrease the price. It's, it's not a big deal. But if you really start low, you, you've got a, a much bigger job to, to try and increase that over time. We'll be right back with the final three questions and much, much more in this pricing episode right after a quick word from our sponsor. When Rain Wilson realized he had a special gift for talking people to sleep, he had two choices. Construct a massive speaker that would blast his voice to every person in the country or 
invent a talking pillow. AT&T Business eventually talked him into the pillow thing. And, backed by a reliable network, the only network with built-in security controls, Sleep With Rain was a hit. Take your ideas to the moon and beyond at business.att.com. That's business.att.com. Now, back to the show. Now ready for the fifth question? What is the estimated lifetime of your customer? So again, if you're a new company, this is going to be tough. But you can probably make some guesses based on how long they use some of your competitors and how long they will stay with you until they grow out of you if you don't have an expansion plan. And we talked about the external pricing strategy, but this helps you look a little bit more internal. So this helps you determine whether your pricing model is viable given your customer acquisition. So if it costs $1,000 to acquire a customer and you're charging $100 a month and the average customer is only with you for nine months, you're losing money. So this helps you double check to make sure that your pricing and your business model is sustainable and can help you grow. Here's Ed Shelley again. Yes, expansion expansion is a huge part, especially in SaaS, of uh, creating a business that you can actually grow sustainably. Um, and this is something that really needs to be designed into the pricing model. So uh, a typical example would be you, you pay $99 for a, for a plan, um, but the way that you uh, define those plans is based on some variable that uh, is going to grow over time. So maybe it's based on the number of transactions that you process through a payment system, right? So once I hit the limit of the plan that I'm on, I expand onto the, onto the next plan and I'm automatically uh, paying a higher uh, subscription price each month. And what we see and, and what actually what a lot of data shows is that expansion plays a huge part kind of further down, uh, further along in the life of a subscription business when you start to get customers churning, um, i.e. unsubscribing from your from your business. And actually this expansion revenue really helps to kind of counteract that, um, that churned revenue. So just to summarize, expansion, I guess is something that you need to think about at the beginning because uh, whilst it, it might not have a, an impact immediately, um, it's, you really need it further down the line to, to offset that churn that you might experience. And now our sixth question is incredibly important. What is your customer buying process? Now, the buying process is often determined by the market. It's, it's often not dictated by the pricing model that you choose. And so markets that have long cycles of buying and need human interaction, they can be disrupted by a different type of model, say a no-touch freemium model. But it's often an uphill battle and it's never really as easy as you think it's going to be. So you really need to get out there and sell your market and get your hands dirty in order to really understand what those buying processes are going to look like with your customer base. And it may be that human interaction and human sales is really the only way to go. And you need to be able to work that into your price. So if you have a low cost service, are you going to be able to afford that sales team? Will you be able to offer commissions based on that price? Or will you need everything to be automated with a no-touch way for your customers to get into the product. 
if you have a high touch sales process, you just need to make sure that you have a product valued at a high enough rate that you can afford the cost of that high touch sales team. And the last and final question is what level of service are you going to need to provide each customer once they're signed up? So here you're going to be determining your customer service costs. Will you be interfacing with this customer every month? Do you have mission critical duties that you need to keep up? Do you need 24-7 phone-based support? Or can you use asynchronous email? How critical is your service to the success of their business? And if you went down, how much would it cost? And what does it cost you to guarantee that you will never go down? I want to give you a quick example. I have an app, Brandesty, which some of you may know. And we currently do not have any developers dedicated to it. So it's just me. So if the server goes down, I'm the only one that can bring it up. And we have a big client that's a conference and they use it to collect logos for that conference. And they're right in the middle of uploading a ton of their attendees logos and the server went down. Now they don't pay us anything. They're a a free customer, but they do provide us with lead gen. And so in the middle of the night, I have to, to get up and restart the server for them. And the question is, what is that worth? Right. What is it worth for me to be on 24 seven to support a customer who's not paying us anything? And that's a tough thing to decide because they do provide a lot of leads. But what is the trade off there? What is the trade off of being available 24 seven for a non paying customer? So when you're putting your pricing model together, take all of these into consideration because there's going to be some unknowns and there's going to be issues that you don't have currently, but you may have down the line and do your best to try to anticipate some of those. It's okay. You're not going to get it right the first time. You're just not. No one ever has. So take it as a constant evolution and get as close as you can with the information that you have today. And really don't worry. You can move the price up. You can move the price down at any time. And that brings us to our conversation with Clay Collins of Lead Pages, who helped walk us through their last year of pricing decisions. So Lead Pages was founded in 2012. If you're not familiar, Lead Pages is... If you're looking to create a landing page, you want to drive more leads and subscriptions, collect email addresses, register people for webinars, showcase your videos, sell your products or services, and more. Our philosophy is that creating a beautiful, modern, and responsive landing page that accomplishes those goals should be both quick and easy. And so in the last couple years, their discovery and the way that they look at their pricing has evolved. And so Mike Belsito interviewed their CEO, Clay Collins, on how they got to their pricing as it is today. So when we first started off, we had a... Uh, we just had uh, monthly plans and we had, you know, a, a small and a medium plan. We had like a $17 version and like maybe a $37 version. It might've been a $39 version. And we liked those, but we found that in a lot of cases, especially with smaller businesses, folks were using lead pages on a one-off basis. So maybe they do a book launch or maybe they were going to do a webinar and they purchase in those cases. And then as soon as they were done with their book launch, their webinar, whatever sort of uh, time-bound thing they were doing, 
they they might leave. So we decided that we wanted to offer an annual plan so that people didn't have to during every single given month decide whether or not they were getting a return on investment for what they spent that month. You know, we we believe that it is very easy for us to generate a return on investment on our $297 annual plan. However, during some months you might not you might you might not use lead pages at all. So the the model that we we sort of stumbled upon that's worked the best for us is um, you know monthly annual and two year plans with a huge discount for uh, annual and two year plans uh, given the sort of start and stop nature of how our uh, segment, which are small and medium-sized businesses, uh, you know, how they use landing pages. And that's worked really well for us. We have more, uh, slightly more annual customers than monthly customers right now. So most people are opting for the annual plan, which a lot of people find surprising. Uh, it's worked really well for us. And this is really an interesting point here. Many SaaS companies prefer yearly and, and would like to push their customers into a yearly engagement for this reason. One being that they have the entire year now to prove their value. The other being that every month they could potentially have a declined card or the company could switch credit cards and that needs to be updated. And that room for error happens 12 times a year as opposed to just once yearly with an annual plan. And we often talk about the early stages of building something, and in this case, the pricing model. And Clay had some interesting insights on how they looked at determining their early pricing model and how they grew and evolved that pricing model over the years in order to match what they were discovering in the market. Generally speaking, I like to start a little bit on the low side when it comes to pricing so that you can raise your prices. It's a lot easier to raise your prices and grandfather in customers that came in before the price increase at their previous rates. Uh, and in fact, a lot of ways it, it reduces their churn because they know that they've gotten your product at a, at a grandfathered price and that if they quit and come back, they're going to have to buy at the price that everyone else is buying. So I like starting a little bit lower and raising prices over time. That allows you to basically tell your market before you raise prices that you're going to raise prices so that they can buy in at the ground, grandfathered rate before it goes up. A lot of companies do discounts and maybe they have coupon codes. We've We've never had a discount. We've merely offered people the opportunity to purchase as a lower to purchase at a lower price before we raise prices. And how often did they raise prices over the years? So, I I like increasing prices during small regular increments and that allows you to not incur too much risk with every price raise and when you if you ever do need to roll back to a less expensive price point because you found some kind of sh pricing shelf, you can you know you you can do it without giving up too much of you know too much in in monthly recurring revenue because again it's been frequent and incremental. And Lead Pages recently acquired Drip, which is a well-known email automation service, and they ran an incredibly interesting experiment after taking it over. <laughs> 
We've run experiments around quarterly pricing. We've run experiments around free trials. We've run experiments around, you know, free trials without credit cards. Like, you know, we've we've run a lot of different experiments. And we recently purchased a company or, or acquired a company called Drip. And the like the first thing we did when we acquired Drip was we said, you know, that if you have fewer than 100 contacts in Drip, that you are essentially going to get um, Drip for a dollar a month. So if you, and, and, and there were about 450 customers in that category. So those customers went from paying $49 a month to $1 a month. So if you take, you know, 450 customers times 400, you know, times $49 times 12 months times SaaS valuation, you know, revenue multiples, like we lost about, uh, you know, about a million bucks in that but it was really key for us because it allowed us to take all non-consumption off the table. So if you are a non-consumer of Drip or if you're really, really started or, or if you're really, really new with our email service provider and marketing automation platform, then you, you only pay a dollar and we don't, we don't get to post growth as a result of that. We only get to show growth when people are using the product in a significant way. And, and I think there's a lot of SaaS products out there that are creating the illusion of growth on the backs of non-consuming customers. So if you think about you know, the traditional gym membership model where the vast majority of people who have a gym membership don't go to the gym and the gym itself can do very well you know, on a square footage basis because of non-consumption, there's a parallel there to SaaS, and there's there's a there's a whole lot of SaaS companies that are facing real churn issues because it's not a matter of if the majority of their customers churn; it's a matter of when. And this really relates to our first exercise, where how long is your customer going to be around and what value are you providing for them if they're a non-consumer and you're just taking their money every month the churn rate is going to be high even if they stick around for six months paying because they don't know they will eventually churn out but if you have a customer who is highly engaged and their business is growing and you're growing with them that is a customer you can keep for years and years and retaining a customer is so much easier than finding a new one. So with this pricing model structure, they're actually able to focus on the customers that are consumers that are highly using their product that need their product instead of the customers that are paying for their product, but they're not actually providing a ton of value to yet. And you know, Michael, we've covered a lot in just one short episode. And so I'd like to wrap it up with another clip from Mike's interview with Kyle Poyer, just to put all of this into perspective. Your pricing will evolve over time as you learn more, as you build out the product, uh, as you have more customers, as you maybe shift segments. So you've got to be willing to adapt. And so, you know, do your homework first, but then uh, don't stress out too much if you need to change it later on. Huge thanks to all of our guests today. Kyle Poyer from OpenView Ventures, Clay Collins from Lead Pages, and Ed Shelley from Chart Mogul. A 
Of course, a huge thanks to our sponsor today, Chargebee. Chargebee is the easiest way for you to set up your subscription billing. Go to chargebee.com forward slash rocket ship and get started for free. And remember, it doesn't matter how big you are. They have a plan for you. Show a warm welcome to Mike Belsito. Go to B-E-L-S-I-T-O on Twitter and send him a quick message and say, hey, welcome to Rocket Ship. If you want to follow Rocket Ship FM on Twitter, it's at Rocket Ship FM. You can follow me, Michael Saka, at Michael Saka or Joelle at Joelle Goldman. All right, we're going to have our Sunday interview this Sunday. You're not going to want to miss it. And next week, we'll be back with episode three in our SaaS series. We'll see you soon.